my most valued verses, other than the Great Commandment, is the Great Commission. And I want to read it to you today. It says this in Matthew 28, verses 19 20. It says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey every command I've, or sorry, everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You see, we, we celebrated Good Friday here together, and we walked through the crucifixion of, the, of, of Jesus, and his resurrection becomes so important. It's the catalyst of the mission of the church to reflect the kingdom of God to the world and for us to spread gospel. And it's our job to proclaim that, to live out that gospel of Jesus. And I don't know if everyone is grasping it. I don't know if Christians are grasping what it means to live out the gospel. We have been in our society, we have been trained to think about ourselves first and not anyone else. And then, you know, well, maybe God first, but mostly, mostly ourselves. And it can slip into our Christianity, but I'm going to challenge you today that as you go through this journey with Jesus, you will learn more and more from him that it is not about you. It's about his message to go. When we're dead and gone, we want to make sure that message is sent out and continuing to go to those that need to hear. And it might be in ways you're not comfortable with as we move forward in, in, our, in our church, but guess what? Times are changing. We're moving forward, and we, we have to be ready. We don't just throw in the towel and go, eh, meh, I can't do this anymore. Or, you know what, I'm older, so you know what, I'm pretty, I've seen it all, I'm pretty much done. No, you haven't. You haven't seen it all. Not yet. We need to be on board. And I think Christians have lost that. But this isn't meant to be a downer. This is meant to be a wake-up call. Because Jesus has risen. Oh. This is water, by the way. Listen, our job is to proclaim it. Our job is to live it. I don't know about you. Who here likes a good story? Ten people. Good. Awesome. Okay, well, the rest of you go to sleep for a bit. Listen, I love a good story, but I only like a story when it has a mission. I don't like nonsense. Well, no, that's not true. I love nonsense stories. Ones that make no sense and I don't have to think. I turn my brain off and I just laugh and drool. I love those. But... When I'm watching a movie, I would love to have something that has got some mission to it. Call me a nerd. Don't call me a nerd. But maybe I like superhero movies. Yeah, right? Yeah. And I'm not going to pick a side because then you'll split the church and everyone will go home and be mad because we love to find reasons to get upset about. Uh, but I like also war movies where, where you know, we're going to risk everything and go in. And we're going to save that one person. And we could lose our lives, but we're going for it. I love those stories. I like superhero stories. I like stories, spy films. I like um, quest films where they're going to, you know, some of them are pretty outlandish, but, you know, it's like, hey, I'm in. I'm in. I turn my brain off and just enjoy. Uh, but we, we love those. We love where there's a specific mission. Why do you think everyone loves, well, not everyone, but a lot of people love the Mission Impossible or the Top Gun? 
Come on, right? There's a mission. There's the good guys and the bad guys, and they got to go do something cool, and they just might not make it. They just might not, but they do. And in the end, you're like, oh, I can't believe they made it. I get even excited about Transformers. Don't you dare laugh. It's cool. Michelle took me to a Transformer movie, the very first one. I was like a 12-year-old kid eating popcorn going, Optimus Prime is so cool. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, you're cute, but yeah, okay. <laughs> she saw a new side of me. I'd never seen him transform so realistically. And when we were just in, on a trip down in Nevada, we flew over the Hoover Dam, and I said to Michelle, in the helicopter, that's where Optimus Prime fought the Autobots. <laughs> they cleaned it up pretty well, huh? <laughs> I love those kind of stories because you know that there's going to be a mission and something has to happen. Optimus Prime is my favorite. <laughs> but we love that. And I believe that people are looking for a purpose. People have been looking for a purpose forever. We know that. It's not new. People are looking. But, but what happens is they search everywhere, high and low. But a lot of times, because of how we as Christians are and act, they go, well, that's not going to be one of the things I'm searching, right? Because we have to be the example. And Jesus said that we were to love each other and that others will know that we are his followers by how we love each other. And if we're not doing that, we're not being a witness. We're not saying that we are loving with the love of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter their background. It doesn't matter anything about them, their behaviors. It doesn't matter. Let God sort that out. And sometimes we get caught up in it because we've been conditioned that people need to think how we think. And they don't. But we want to show them who Jesus is so they'll get it for themselves. We can't force them into it. Back, back in the, well, we'll go back in way back. The, the, you know, I'm not going to, let's say, from anywhere between 100 to, I don't know, 1800. They would kill you if you had a different viewpoint. We don't do that anymore, but you know what we do? We isolate. So we, re we, we relationally kill the others because they think differently. It's okay to have different opinions as long as we come to one focus on Jesus Christ and that's super important. But the purpose is that others will see and they'll go, there's something that those Christians have that I want. As believers, we have a mission beyond ourselves. Perhaps we place the word mission in context of a missionary going overseas to preach. And although that may be true, you are all believers, and you all have a mission, because Jesus said so. Because of this resurrection, Christ has challenged all of his followers with the greatest mission of all, to bring the gospel to the world. The gospel is his message, is what he's done for us. The great commission flows out of the resurrection. The risen Christ goes with us everywhere we go. And his disciples, he told his disciples this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The mission of the church continues from the work of the resurrection. It doesn't stop. 
The Great Commission, commission isn't just about evangelizing people or getting people saved, then declaring, mission accomplished, I'm done. No. He said it was finished, and then he said, now, hey, you got a mission, go do it. It's not over. It's not over till the fat lady sings, my friend. It's not over. And by that, I mean when Jesus calls us home. Seriously. The Great Commission is connected to the resurrection. It's connected to discipleship. It's connected to spiritual formation and the understanding of the kingdom of God and the purpose in this world. And because Jesus' future reign has begun in the lives of his followers, in you and in me, and in this present age, his people should exemplify his reign on earth as it is in heaven. I think we kind of something pops up there, eh? What does he say about this? He says in chapter 28, verse 18, he says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority, sorry, verse 8, says, all uh, authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And in verse 20, he says, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. And then compare that to 6.10 as you go back. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you see the connections? These aren't by chance. These are not a fluke. It's all connected but we miss that. We miss that sometimes. And I'm here to bring you back. Because in order for us to do that, in order for us to carry on the mission of the teaching of the kingdom, we have to have discipleship. We have to have spiritual formation. And we need to have the understanding of God's kingdom and the purpose in this world. Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit to guide us, to empower us, to inspire us, to illuminate, to reveal, and to sanctify his church. He gave us the Holy Spirit for that. And because of this, we are people of the Spirit of God because of Easter morning. One of my favorite theologians is N.T. Wright. I love them. If you want to read a great book about the pandemic that happened, I read it while we were in it. He wrote a great one because he had some articles on it. If you want to read a great book, N.T. Wright, and it's called something about the pandemic. I can't remember. Pan pandemic and God or whatever. Get that book, buy it, read it. It will give you an incredible perspective on we as Christians, what we are supposed to do in times of trouble. Because guess what? In this world, you will have... But he has come to, there you go. There's a reason why this all fits together. Because God's behind it. But he says that Easter people, meaning believers and Christians, are people who deal with the tribulations of the real world because Easter dealt with the reality of a broken world. Many people don't like to hear that. Well, we're not, you know, I don't like to be told that I'm, I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm, I'm broken. Our world doesn't like that. But we are. We are. And we reflected on that on Good Friday. But Easter is about real life, not escapist fantasy. Not fantasy. Easter is about God's judgment. He's calling to the world 
uh, calling the world to account and set up, setting up his new glorious creation, freedom and peace, and summoning people everywhere to live in this new world. Easter is about God's rich welcome to all of humankind. This is N.T. Wright. He's so good. We Easter people, he says, are called to celebrate all of that in practical ways as well as in uninhibited worship. Man, he's good. Get his book. The mission of the church, the resurrection of Jesus, and the kingdom of God all combine together. They're not segregated. They flow from one another. And the mission to spread the gospel is also associated with the preaching of the kingdom of God during this age in the life of God's people. So post-resurrection, the biblical story opens up, to, up to full, fully to the nations, and the scope of God's mission becomes explicitly for everyone, for all nations. The entire world of Genesis is chapter 1 to 11 is the target people is the target of the gospel the old testament israel's mission was one of being and living as kingdom as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation now what you don't understand is and what we forget is that the old testament was written right for us to understand what god had asked israel to do god had asked israel to be an example to every other nation now it is open because of Jesus Christ to you and to me to be an example to everyone everywhere you see the tie from the Old Testament to the New, how it comes together? It's, it's almost like God was in it. What? It's amazing. Now, there are a few exceptions. Maybe Jonah, he went to a specific nation um, when it came to that, but the majority. But the, Jesus says, go, make disciples by engaging all people with the gospel. It's now for everyone, as it was before. But Israel got caught up, like we do. Israel got caught up in their life. We got, we, we're getting caught up in our own lives, in our everyday lives, just doing what we want because we want to do it because we think we should do it. And sometimes we don't actually check in with God. Sometimes we do, and then when things go wrong, we're like, God, what have you done? And he's like, huh? I didn't do that. That's the consequences of your actions. We go, no, no, not possible, because everything I do is for you. Really? Is it? There's a call for us to come back to that. There's a, um, a great perspective from a Catholic uh, writer, don't shoot me, um, David Scott. He says, we live by hope in the promise that the kingdom is coming, growing and spreading under the Father's watchful eye in the church of his son, empowered by his spirit. Yes, Catholics believe in the spirit. And we live by the love, and we imitate Jesus with the love of God in our hearts by giving meaning to everything we do. By his grace, we live as he did, as a living Eucharist, as a living communion, as a living sacrifice, as offering of praise and thanksgiving. That's some pretty good stuff. Coming from a Catholic. Nothing wrong with Catholics. They got some stuff. They go on it, but so do we. Let's not get too carried away. So how do we do this practically? How? I'm going to give you three things. 
Three things you can run with practically. Share the message. Share the message. And you're like, uh, how do I do that? By living practically because of Jesus Christ. Conversations, what you post on the social medias and the Googles and the, and the whatever these things are, all these Instagrams and stuff. Social media, what you post. Am I dating myself with the Facebook and the Instagrams and the Google box? <laughs> but what we do, share the message on how you live. Don't push it, share it. Very simple. Secondly, invest in others. In other words, make disciples. You know, you can go online and they'll say, you know, you gotta, you gotta be a coach and you gotta coach other people and pour into other people and, and, and invest in other people. Well, that was said back in the New Testament. Jesus said to do that. So they can't take all the credit for that. He said, invest in others. How? Go and make disciples. Invest in them. Make disciples. So I think he's the author of all this positive stuff that's out there saying invest in others. Yes, invest in others, but invest in them for their spiritual well-being, for their good, for the gospel, so they can go and share more. So invest in others. We can't invest in spiritual growth and the development of others by, or sorry, we can by investing in them, by, by uh, going to small groups, to life groups, Bible studies, walking alongside people in their faith journey and talking to them about God and modeling a Christian life. That's how you invest in others. You don't just hope they, you know, make it on their own. Thirdly, so not only do you share the message, you invest in others, you live it out. You live the message. And that means no grumbling, no complaining, no murmuring. Oh, murmuring, that's very biblical. The Old Testament talks about that, how Israel, how they murmured behind the scenes. Of course, God couldn't hear them, right? And so they're complaining about all sorts of things. Instead, pray to God about it. Ask God about it. Instead of the murmuring. Be a good example by living it out. By serving others. Demonstrate that love by serving others. By practicing forgiveness and reconciliation with other people. And living a life of integrity and compassion. Do you ever get tired of doing the right thing because it's the right thing? Do you get tired of it? I know I do. I do get tired of it. Sometimes I go, God, I know why you flooded the earth. You're way better than me. You're a good man. Thank you. But can you do it one more time? Just for me. We believe it. It's tough. Integrity and compassion when you see other people not doing the right thing and getting ahead, that's frustrating. We do it anyways. Even we do the right thing, even if it's not the positive, most popular thing. We do the right thing. I hope you do the right thing. Let your word be your bond if you say, and do it. Integrity in business, at school, with relationships. If you say you're going to do it, do it. Don't back out. Don't 
Don't get the, the anxious and then not do it. Do it. It's the right thing. I always talk about the difference between adversity and anxiety, and anxiety can be channeled. Now, there's obviously there's anxiety that is gripping light, that just takes over and it's very difficult to deal with, and that's a whole other medical thing. I'm talking about regular anxiety. Don't let it stop you. Go forward. Push forward. Because adverse, when you are in adversity, when you are doing something difficult, when you do, are doing something that, that you're, you're unaware or unsure of, you will have anxiety because that goes along with adversity. But what happens when you ride it through, through that adversity, through those troubles, through those struggles? What happens when you push through it? You come out the other side, and what have you done? Whether it was successful or not, you've learned a lesson. And the next time you do it, it won't be as difficult. It won't be as difficult. There'll be anxiety. There'll be that nervousness. But you will have moved through that because you've got experience. Experience is important to have. If you just sit at home and have no experience, you'll never go out and learn anything about anyone else. You'll never learn anything about yourself and what you can do. Because you know what? A lot of times we don't live it out because we're afraid. Why don't you try it? Why don't you go for it and ride it out and learn something? I think it's really important that we share the message. I think it's important that we invest in so many people. I think it's so important that we live it out and that we ride through those difficult times because you will come out the other side. And it always, doesn't always go our own way, but you will learn. And God will walk with you. That is a promise. That is a promise. He's given it to us. I'm not making it. I'm not saying it's a promise. I'm saying he said it's a promise. And if we can't take it from him, who are we taking it from? So I want to encourage you today that you can do this. You can get through whatever it is. It might not turn out the way you think. It might not turn out the way you want. But you can walk through it and learn from it. And God will come alongside you. The mission of the church flows out of Matthew 28, 19 to 20. It flows from the victory of the resurrection. The risen Christ goes into all the world. And the mission isn't just about evangelism, like I said. It's not about just saving people, but it's connected to discipleship, spiritual formation, and the understanding of God's kingdom and purpose in the world. And as believers, you have been given the Holy Spirit to empower you through this. And God is moving in our world. You just have to look around. Scripture talks about when you walk outside, you can see that God is doing something just from nature, from creation. Even when things are going wrong, take a look around. And we believe by hope in the promises that the kingdom is coming, it is growing and spreading under the Father's watchful eye. Even though there are times he's got a lot to watch, we live by love. We imitate Jesus with the love of God in our hearts, giving meaning to everything we do. So as we celebrate Easter today, and every day practically, we are called to practically fulfill the Great Commission. 
by sharing the message and investing in others. You are Easter people. Easter people. Celebrate all of that in practical ways as well as uninhibited worship to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your son, that your son came, died on the cross for our sins, and rose. And everything starts from there. Let us be an example. Let us live out your word. Let us share the faith. Let us be examples to those around us in everything we do. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives and what you're about to do in Jesus' name. Everyone set. Amen. Okay, at this time I'm going to turn everything over to the baptism videos. Uh, my name is Chris Plolick. Uh, I was born in Alberta, Edmonton, Alberta. Moved out here when I was five. And uh, I've actually lived out here in Surrey pretty much most of my life. Um, I did move to Penticton with my wife for about nine years and she, she passed away. Um, and that's what actually really got me into Jesus. Uh, it's like he took hold of me and, uh, and uh, that's when my faith and uh, strength and, and religion just grew in me. It just, it was amazing. And um, ever since then, I, I just, I can't even go a day without reading the Bible. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's that story. <laughs> yeah, um, actually, uh, the first time was when it first happened, and, and uh, we were making preparations for her, her uh, service. Pastor came into the house, and uh, it's like the whole place just lit up. It was just phenomenal, and um, yeah, it was great. And it was a really nice service. And uh, her two sons live in, in Calgary, so we, uh, we decided to bring her ashes to Calgary. service for her. Her sons picked the pastor out there. Uh, actually, it was the one that married one of her sons. And uh, it was a beautiful service. And uh, I was visiting the year after, and it was pouring rain, cloudy, not a, it was just all clouds. And as soon as we got to the, uh, to the, uh, uh, the cemetery, Everything cleared up. It was like sunshine. It was sunny. Um, and then when we left, uh, we all went to the cake, like a celebration of life. And uh, it just started raining, again, cloudy, rainy. And it was just for the two hours we were at the cemetery that it was beautiful and sunny and clear. And so that's another sign that I, I think Jesus gave me to let me know that she's up there. 
I've had many other things happen, just wonderful things from Jesus that, that really opened my mind to him and, and uh, just, uh, you know, gave me strength and, and uh, yeah. It makes me feel a lot, like, happier, I guess, uh, excited um, to know that uh, I'm in it for the long run, the long haul as Mark says in his sermons. And um, I, I couldn't live without Jesus. Jesus is in my life and he'll be in my life forever now. I was reading the New Testament, um, which is my favorite part, is reading the, test, the New Testament. And um, I got to the end of the, of the, um, the scriptures and there was this prayer in the, in the back and I read it, and it just kind of lifted me up, and, and uh, now I try to pray it just about every day before I go to work every morning, so just to make me feel good, and uh, I'd like to read it to you. It's, uh, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is your Son, and that he died on the cross to save me from my sin. I believe that he rose again to life, and that he invites me to live forever with him in heaven as part of your family. Because of what Jesus has done, I ask you to forgive me of my sin and give me eternal life. I invite you to come into my heart and my life. I want to trust Jesus as my Savior and follow him as my Lord. Help me to live in a way that pleases and honors you. Amen. be sharing why I want to get baptized. I can't remember a time I did not know about Jesus as I was raised in a Christian family, though knowing about him is different than following him. When I was a little kid, following Jesus was something that I wanted to do more because most people around me did. Now I want to make the decision because of what I feel and believe is true. Some days life can be overwhelming, but knowing Jesus loves me however life goes and whatever mistakes I make helps me a lot. I've experienced a lot of answered prayers for both bigger things and smaller things. I know he is real. Jesus died for my sins because he loves me and my sins can now be forgiven. It makes me feel very loved to know that he did that. Knowing he came back to life helps me feel like I can trust God's more powerful than any problem I'll face. I've made the decision for, to follow Jesus for all my life. I've also made the decision to obey him and I've decided to get baptized to show this to others.